Hello and welcome to episode 266 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week we're getting back to our roots a little bit. We're yeah, going to do bit. kind of a tournament review, tournament breakdown, talk about some new decks or a new tournament deck. of sorts. Yeah, that came out of the Pro Tour this weekend. Yeah, it uh, gave me an excuse to play some Magic, which hasn't happened for a while. Um, Brian yeah. sent me the deck list for this this new Rakdos deck, and it was right up my alley. So, yeah, so not that it, I had a ton of free time to play, but I did spend some time playing it I, this weekend. It was nice. I I won many 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 a game with this deck. So, um, yes. so if you want to get reach out to us on social media, say hey, give us show ideas. Um, I mean, we could just talk about the like seven sets that they spoiled or whatever during the weekend. <laughs> um, but if you have any ideas of what you want us to talk about, uh, or just to say, hey, all of our links for social media and stuff, Facebook, Discord, uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, email, which is now, I guess, the snail mail of the internet. Uh, snail mail. All of those are, all those links are in the description. So come say hey. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you want to hear about. I expect before too much longer, we'll have lots of new sets to talk about. But in the meantime... Uh, anything you guys, burning questions you have that you want to answer or show ideas or whatever, hit us up. If you're looking to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do it. The first is with our TCG player affiliate link, casualtryhard.com slash TCG. And surf on over there. And any purchases you make will help to support the show. We know you're buying magic cards anyway, and sometimes either your store doesn't have them in stock or I don't know. Maybe you don't have a store close by, so we would appreciate it if you used our affiliate link at TCG Player. If you want to support us more directly, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg is where you can do that. Patrons get access to our show notes, so you get a sneak peek about what the upcoming episode's going to be about, even though there's not a whole lot in these show notes. Um, patrons also get access to our pre-show, another hour-ish of content out of us. And you get the benefit of knowing that you're helping keep the show that you love alive. Uh, if any of that sounds good to you, you can chip a couple bucks in, like I said, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg and support us directly. Yeah. So, um, to the surprise of some of you, uh, there was a uh, Pro Tour this weekend. It was Pro Tour um, Murders at... Uh, Karloff Manor, uh, yep. which just quick side note, um, when they name this set, I don't think they realize that people on TikTok and other short form video uh, places can't say the word murder. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, they're just not allowed to. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that are like that say they have problems talking about it or videos get like taken down. Hmm. Or like community guidelines for the use of the word murder. So I like some so some of them are like, um, you know, the stuff at Karloff Manor or like, you know, they don't say the first word. There's apparently been some issues with this. Weird. Solid guys. Job guys. But yeah, this was the pro tour. It was in Chicago. Um, it was um the typical uh three rounds of limited followed by five rounds of Constructed, which was Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And then um, they did uh, <clears throat> Words Are Hard. 
then they did limited and constructed again the next day, and then top eight was all Pioneer. Yep. Um, it's uh, pretty typical for anybody that hasn't followed a Pro Tour before. Um, that's pretty typical how they run them. Yeah, that's kind of the normal setup. Um, the big thing, I'm trying to find um, the uh, the their website is just such garbage now. I'm <laughs> trying to find the, I just thought of like, oh, I know part of the meta of the game breakdown, but I don't know the whole thing. So like, whatever. Um, you can have, uh, like, we don't really care about the limited stuff, like, We've talked about right. it a little bit. You can go talk to, you can go listen to, um, uh, what is it called? Limited resources mm-hmm. to, um, to get like a real, a real sense of that. But I was able to stall long enough. So I knew that the, mo- the most played deck mm-hmm. was, is it Phoenix? Yep. So almost the exact same deck you would play like an Explorer. Mm-hmm. The the main difference is um, the uh, deck in Pioneer plays one Temporal Trespass. Okay, the That's the, not de- on Arena. the Delve spell. Yeah, like um, and then I need to find the Frank Carson numbers. But then there was there was Azorius Control mm-hmm. that um, uh, Riley Knight like almost fell all over himself talking about how awesome. Azorius Control was and how No More Lives made it great. Um, Deck got rocked, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Uh, To the point that Cedric was making fun of him. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Was like, like in like day two, he was like, how are those, how is that Azorius Control deck doing? Because like the only, (laughs) the only deck that was kind of like blue white that made, was doing well was a Jeskai creativity deck. Mm Mm-hmm. That was blue white splashing, doing air quotes here, people. Splashing yeah. creativity. Yeah, that's a hell of a splash. Yeah, it played lightning helix and then creativity for Atraxa. It was like on Yorion, was like on the full eighty card pile. Yeah. And they were the person was playing was like, mm, you know, Atraxa really gives the deck some closing power. <laughs> um, <I'm> sure. <laughs> Then there was good old Rakdos midrange, so tried and true. Traditional. Yeah, from like arena, as you would expect. Uh, Lotus field combo. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was like, I think there were two decks in the top eight, and there was like a third, like on the just on the outside looking in. They all won different ways. Oh, that's weird. So, like, one of them was on the approach of the Second Sons win. Yeah. Where you, like, fay for it. Um, and then, and use, like, a track set to dig deep enough mm-hmm. to, to get it. One was on the uh, Chandra Beacon of Hope win plan. Okay. Have you seen that one? I have not. You, you need to have, like three Balagad recoveries, like, between your hand and your graveyard, or, like, you need a Leer out, and then you, like, Chandra, down tick, put it in your, like, five-year opponent. Yeah. Then you cast, like, a Balagad recovery to get the Chandra back. Okay. To then play, the, like, you, like, loop Chandras. Yeah. Um, And then the... I forget what that... That seems how, like a pretty convoluted win con. 
That's the one that oh gosh, Bryant Cook typically uses in his in his list. Okay. Um, and then I forget what the third one was, but it was a third one that was like neither of those two. And I was like, this is weird. Um, but like they're like all the same, but like just how they won. Like the number yeah. of cards they devoted to winning was like different in each one. Then there was Amalia combo. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was playing a version for a while that like had the uh, Knight Errant of Eos or Knight Captain of Eos or whatever it is the the convoke uh, guy. guy. Uh, yeah, I I was on an island there. Uh, it was just me. Uh, oh I, yeah. yeah, I was at, on that version. Yeah, um, the Pro Tour. The vast majority of them were uh, four companies. Okay. There were a couple that were like three companies and like two knights or something. Mm-hmm. But most people were on like more companies. Though the guy who made top eight only had two companies. He had four chords, two companies. Hmm. Which was I thought was weird. That's a little weird. Then a deck uh, that made I the was f- on a split of both too. You weren't on a split of both, you were just on the knights. I was just on the knights. Okay. Um because like we talked about like there are enough times that like you companied into garbage. Yeah. That, like, at least the knight was, like, always a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Like, even if your knight hit bad, it was still, like, a 2-for-1 that left you a 4-4 four, right. four that could block something, as opposed to 4-mana put a 1-1 one, one in. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. Um, and then there was Boros Heroic, which made the finals, and the guy who was playing it, uh, they quoted him multiple times as saying... When asked, what are your good matchups? He said, none. I have no good matchups. And this is... here you are in the finals? Yeah. This is the same, um, like, Swift Spear, Favored Hoplite, 10th Street Legionnaire. Like, actual OG Boros Heroic. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, you have Homestead Courage now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Monstrous Rage. Yeah. And Ancestral Anger. So you have, like, two white tricks that give you uh, trample, or two red tricks that give you trample. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, between Defiant Strike and Ancestral Rage, you have more tricks that, like, replace themselves. Cantrip, yeah. Yeah, so you can... No feather or anything, just, like, God's Willings and Lauren, Lauren's Escapes and then Pump Spells. Yeah, I think... Uh... Feather's a trap anyway. I don't think Feather belongs in the deck. Yeah. Although the the little bit of playtesting that I was doing with that uh, Delny deck, mm-hmm. like Monstrous Rage is a card that I completely missed. That card's kind of a house in that style deck. Yeah, it is. It's really like the fact that it's like, what is it? Titan Strength or something? It's plus three, plus two the turn it comes out, but then it leaves your thing yeah. with Trample. It's plus three, plus one total. Oh, is it plus two, plus oh? Yeah, and then the and then the roll. Then no, yeah, the plus one. Yeah, like the fact that it like effectively leaves a counter behind, right? And like gives you thing trample is like a big deal, because mm-hmm. like that deck can't beat chump blockers, but now it can, right? Um, and then is it in soul? So wow, you use, really? Yeah, and That's it surprising. did. I think it did all right. I gotta look for the the. This uh, Frank Karsten put up one of the uh, the the breakdown things of the the matchups. 
Then there mm-hmm. is Boros Convoke, the deck that we've all played against on Arena. Yep. Um, and then this new deck. The Sweetness. Rakdos Vampires, which was played by all but like three people on Team CFB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jeskai Creativity, which was like an 80 card blue white uh, control deck with Yorion that just had Atraxa and mm-hmm. then uh, Creativity. So it was like blue white control with like an Atraxa finish. Yeah. And then Niv to Light, which, you know, amen. Like, mm-hmm. good good on you. Looking at a, a meta game that was 14% Azorius control, and you were just like, <laughs> let me tap out for a five mana sorcery. What Seems could like a possibly good idea. Go? Oh, and and it was also, is it, uh, is it Phoenix? So, yeah. 30, a third of your matchups are. I'm like main decking counter spells of some sort. Yeah. Amazing. Five mana prey. <laughs> um and then forty percent other. Or four sorry, forty decks that were other, fifteen percent of just randomness. That's interesting that the number one played deck had more copies than everything that didn't fit into one of the above categories combined. Yeah. <laughs> it's also interesting that the um um uh, a lot of the there wasn't much. I don't know if there was space to have um, innovation, uh, mm-hmm. but like the oh gosh, the is it Phoenix decks? A lot of them were just like the stock list that we've been playing for like a million years. Really? Yeah, like not like a lot of, not a lot of uh, like cool stuff going on in that deck. Mm-hmm. So. Now we need to uh, make it bigger. I am old. Be, in, be interesting to see what the players were. Like, I know I, I have access to that data right here, but I'm not going to sift through it. But I wonder if a lot of those Is It Phoenix players are just, if they're more the people that, like, qualified on Arena or, like, like worked their way up instead of, like, actual pros. There were you know a couple I mean? people that were like, yeah, I, like, I tested by myself. Like one of the guys who made the finals was like qualified through arena and was just like, I didn't have a testing team. So I just like ended up on his Phoenix, a kind of like a stock list. Mm -hmm. And I think like Jean Emmanuel Deprav, like I think he had like one just Jirari Jirari disruption was his like spice card. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of a spicy card. Yeah. So of, of the decks that had, uh, so I had the like, you know how they have like the squares now of all the matchups. Yeah. So I had the squares up. Oh, okay. Uh, let me. I will send you the link here. Uh, maybe I will. I'm real. I'm real good at technology. Uh, there we go. I will send you the link now, so you can see the squares too. Boom. All right. Squares. Squares. Um, Squares. I have been replaced with squares. Um, that is fine. So I gotcha. The deck that had the highest win rate that like actually had a reasonable amount of play because you can't be like, oh, Demir Control went eight and two. It's the best deck in the format. Right. Or Boris Burn uh was Rakdos Vampires. 
So um, it had a 60% win rate, and there were 98 matches played with the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is pretty good. Like, is it Phoenix was next with, of like, again, the major played decks with a 57% win rate? And then Amalia was 55. Um, Boris Convoke was 55. And then, like, again, some, like, lesser things. Boris Heroic was 53. Yeah. It's funny that, like, Abzan Greasefang was, like, a huge deck for ever and ever. Right. And it went... Well, Amalia kind of pillaged those players, though, right? I think, yeah. I mean, it's a combo deck that doesn't rely on the graveyard. Right. Um, but, like, Abzang Reesfang went to only having 30 matches played. Wow. From, like, you know, being maybe in one of the top three decks of the last PT. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a boogeyman for a little bit. Yeah. And then you have um, Azorius Control. Booty. Booty. <laughs> with 47%. Yikes. So like these these like the second most played deck just like got run. Yeah. And then Lotus Field also like Lotus Field finished like at 46%. Hmm. I don't know. Now its only positive matchup was against Is it Phoenix? Lotus Field? Yeah. And then it's um it was negative against Rakdos mid-range. It was even against Azorius control. And it was negative against Amalia and Boros Heroic, which, like, it can never beat Boros Heroic, not in a million years. Right. Like, literally. Yeah, 0% win rate. <laughs> 0%. Cannot win ever. Yeah. Uh, but it was funny that, like, two of them made it into the top, uh, top yeah. eight. Um, and then, like... Rakdos mid-range, 220, 230 games played. Wow. 42% win rate. It Abysmal. Um, its only positive record was against Lotus Field. And mm-hmm. I guess against against uh, Heroic, but it only played 11 games. Yeah. Or 11 matches. But then, like, just complete, like, and then everything else is just, like, not worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, Rona Luca combo? I have no idea even what that is. Me neither. Let's see. Like, that is a wild thing. So, um, as Team CFB has done uh, a lot in the history, recent history of the Pro Tour, right, they um, came up with a new deck. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works out like this. And other times, it's blue green Karn. Um, <laughs> so you a deck don't, that you've never heard of. A deck that you've never heard of that like just went awful. Yeah. Uh, it just went bad. What is this? Tyvar Luca. I have seen again. I've seen this deck on um, Arena. Okay. But I don't think it's ever done anything where I realized it was this deck. Oh, it's Retraction Heal. It's Mox Amber. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where you, like, use Luca to go get a Traxa. Mm-hmm. 
or you use or you like make infinite mana with with uh I guess infinite blue mana with Rona. Okay. Still. Yeah, I've seen a version of this on um on Arena. But uh, yeah. I don't think it ever did anything to where I would have classified it as anything in particular, so Yeah. You're we just like, what did I beat? I don't know what they were trying to do. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> then you're like, oh, okay then. Um, Here it is at the Pro Tour with zero there wins. Is. There was, gosh, there was someone that they did like an interview with. Yeah. That they're like, so what are you playing? I think it was the guy playing Vanifair combo. Yeah. Was like, like, so what is your deck? I'm playing Vanifair combo. Oh, what are his good matchups? There aren't really any. What is bad <laughs> matchups? Pretty much all of them. Why are you playing it? Because it's fun. Like, I just want to come here him. and have fun. It's like, okay. Yeah, okay. good on him. Yeah, like, y- y- you're like, you know what? I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to That's win. a guy that qualified on Arena. Yeah, probably. That guy did not drive three hours and, like, sit in a, like, disgusting game store with, like, a bathroom that hadn't been cleaned since 1972. It yep. was like. It like a you know, bag of Cheetos and a Mountain Dew. Exactly. It was like, yep. Yeah, okay, I won. Now I'm going to drive the three hours back home. Yeah. Maybe I came with someone that I can stop at an outback, but maybe <laughs> I maybe not. And Lord only knows how much a Bloomin' Onion is in, in 2024. Seriously, I couldn't tell you. I, won't, I couldn't even tell you the last time I had a Bloomin' Onion. I guarantee it was with you. I, I know. I know the last time I had one, I was yeah. driving to Durham, and my students were like, we want to stop at Outback. So we stopped at Outback. It took forever. Um and then I got stuck in traffic. It took like seven hours to get to Durham. It was awful. Uh, I mean, it was probably GP Oko was the last time I had a Bloomin' Onion. Probably. My buddy the other day was like, you haven't talked about going to a Magic tournament in a while. I was like, that's because it hasn't happened since like, <laughs> I think February of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Star City the disaster, open. The dumpster, the dumpster open. fire open. Yeah. Yep. Actually, but that was probably the last. Blue last blue and was dumpster fire open. Yeah. Yeah. And like now you're all like svelte. You've lost all this weight because the blue and onions <laughs> aren't going in you anymore. See, they're not. They're not holding me down. They're holding you down. But so Team CFB, you know, they have a process, and they had um, Reed Duke win the last Pro Two or on like uh, creativity, which mm-hmm. was a deck that like had kicked around, mm-hmm. but like. I think they kind of put the like finishing touches on it as a deck. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not going to say that they like birthed that deck, but they, they um, did a lot to like make it better. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, and I think they were, if you go way back, they were the, they gave us um, Bant company. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Crypt of the Light right deck. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that deck. Right. And then, so, like, there's been a, uh, and Colorless Eldrazi. Not that, you know, they were the only right. ones to get to that point. Yeah. But. Well, they're, they're, like, they're, not that they weren't the only version or the only people to get there, but they, they found the best version, though, the Mono Redbird. Yes. Bird. Yes. So, like, they've. Like, there's always, like, a core of people and other people that come in because, oh, gosh. Like, the person who came with the mono red version was a uh, Canadian guy, younger, I can't think of his name. 
Uh, but anyway, they kind of have like a core group and then like they have people come in that will like bring different ideas and stuff. Yeah. And so they, um, this time they came to the tournament with Rakdos Vampires. Deck is sick. Yes, the deck is very good. Um, so the story that I heard listening to different things, uh, I think it was on the on coverage, is Paul Rietzel, who has missed a few Pro Tours or had not played, yeah. used his Hall of Fame invite to come to this one. Okay. And he showed up with mono black vampires and hmm. like championed that deck in the house. And then they started working on it as a team. Yeah. And they got it to the the red, um, the the Rakdos version that they played at the Pro Tour. And Everybody but Paul. Everyone but Paul. I yeah. think there were like two other people that were on something different. I think Nasif may have been on like a control deck. I'm sure he was on a control deck. Yeah. He's like, you're not going to put Mana Leak in this format and have me not cast it. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think he was on a control deck. Um, and if you want to like see kind of like an early iteration of the deck. Uh, Jim Davis's cool stuff video from mm-hmm. yesterday was him playing uh, a version of the deck, the mono black version of the deck with uh, the, I almost said Simic again, the Selesnia uncastable Galta yeah. and Maverin yeah. as like the big, the big boom, boom dinosaur. Nasif was on Demir Control. Nasif was on Demir Control, so he he was yep. the eight and two on Demir Control, I guess. Yep. Um, man, and then he like got, must have got dumpstered in draft to go eight and two and constructed. Um, yeah, his overall record was ten and six. Oh, uh, so he went two and four in draft. Wow. Yeah. Like four and what? I guess he got three and I guess yeah four and two. He would have like made top eight flipped it around um so they got to Rakdos vampires and it is kind of an amalgamation of the Rakdos mid-range deck mm-hmm. that um has been on arena for literal ever yeah kind of the, the core of it's the same where you got fables and thought seizes and fatal pushes and uh what's his name blood type harvester blood type harvester yeah but then you also get to play show and tell. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. So, Soren Imperious Blood Lord has been, uh, I checked, a $25 card for like the last two years. Mm-hmm. And it's a three mana planeswalker that plus one put a target creature gets death touch and lifelink, and you put a plus one plus one counter on the creature if it's a vampire. Yep. Had another plus one, you may sack a vampire. Uh let de- you heal something. Yeah, deal three, gain three. And then um and that's min- any target too. Any target. Creature, player, and then my uh, planeswalker, and then minus three, so it starts out with four loyalty. Minus mm-hmm. three, put a vampire from your hand onto the battlefield. Ooh. Yeah, so uh for a while. Uh, like Soren got kind of popular when they printed Galta and Maverin because it's like mm-hmm. three green, green, white, white for a 12, 12 trample with text. Right. right. Like make a one one. It's like, who cares? I got a 12, 12. Um, Let's make a bunch of one ones. I think it's make a bunch of one ones or make one big dino. Yeah. 
Uh, but like, who cares? You have a twelve twelve, right? Right. Um, sweet. And then, but then, uh, miss this guy in um, spoiler season. Completely missed it. Uh, there is uh, Vane, Vane Ripper. Ripper. So yeah. what does Vane Ripper do? It's a three black, black, black for a six, five vampire. That's the important part. Uh, flying. It has ward sacrifice a creature, which is way more impactful than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And it also has whenever a creature dies, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So like when I saw this card in previous season, I just thought, oh, that's like a really expensive, uh, um, what you call it? Uh, like Zulaport Cutthroat. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't think that it being big and flying and having protection mattered. It was just like an overcosted Zulaport Cutthroat. I mean, and for six mana. Yeah. At six mana, like it. Like looking at it at six mana, you're like, okay, this is what you expect for six mana. Yeah. It's not like above rate for a six mana thing. Mm-hmm. But what I think we missed was Ward Sack a creature in a deck that has a reasonable amount of removal. Not is, just removal, but interaction in general, yeah. yeah. Is hexproof. Basically. And um uh and getting to play it on turn three is pretty busted. Mm-hmm. It just ends a game. Yeah. Uh, there, I think we had talked about, um, so if you're playing against, like, blue-white and you're on the play and you, like, let's say Thought sees them on turn two mm-hmm. and goes Soren into Blood Ripper, if they don't have a... Um, uh, Supreme Verdict, they have literally no ways to answer it, really. Because mm-hmm. they, like, the only way they can really get a body in, like, before turn, like, seven is Wandering Emperor. Emperor. Right? So, like, you can be in a situation where you, like, especially game one, you, like, thought sees them, know your Soren can get down, mm-hmm. play your Vein Ripper, and then you can either A, um, uh, like, thought sees them again or something, or B, use your fatal push to protect your thing. Right. Right? Yeah, You're just like... crazy. Yeah, like, you know, imagine they, like, play the Wandering Emperor ticket down, and then on their turn, they're like, okay, uh, get lost... And if they haven't ticked the Wandering Emperor down again, when the ward trigger goes on the stack, you just kill their only creature. Yep. And then they're just like, oh, no. Um, and the deck also has a lot of game against control because it plays a whole bunch of man lands. Yes. And it plays, depending on the list, three or four Cavern of Souls. Yeah. So, like, your other idiots just aren't counterable. Right. Um, and then you also have the like unbelievable backup plan of like you've played a Cavern of Souls, you've gotten to six mana, mm-hmm. 
You, do, and you just they, resolve a vein ripper. <laughs> and then they're just like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Right? And it's like, nothing. Um, so... You get your veins ripped is what you do. Yeah, you die. You die real hard. So it also plays... So Vein Ripper is like the headliner. This is mm-hmm. the big fatty that you put in with Soren. Right. But Soren with a bunch of vampires is like a surprisingly good planeswalker. Like it's narrow that it mm-hmm. cares about vampires. But like it's really powerful if you have food for it. Yeah. Right? So it plays, uh, most of the list played three Preacher of the Schism. That card's way better than I thought it would be also. Yeah, I mean, it's a 2-4, which means, like, is it only has, like, Lightning Axe to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has Death Touch. Yep. If your opponent has more life than you, it makes a Vampire, which Sorn can then chuck at things. Right. And if you have less... If you have more life, you get to draw a card and lose a life. And if you're tied, you get both. Yeah. I never get sick of getting both. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think the fact that it's a 2-4 just mm-hmm. does so much work in terms yep. of, like, keeping it around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Dusk Legion Zealot, which is, I think, the worst card in the deck, but also, like, serves a good purpose. It's definitely the worst card in the deck. I don't know what I would replace it with because you... I mentioned when we were talking about this, I think it was in the pre-show, we talked about this a little bit. And the deck is, for what it is, it's oddly consistent. It's more consistent than it really has any right to be. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because of Dusk Legion Zealot. Like it, The deck definitely has some ways to churn through itself with Fables and Looter Scooters. Uh, but I think the Dust Legion Zealot has a, a role to play there as well. Yeah, like, it definitely lets you, like, confidently, let's say, keep, like, a two-land hand mm-hmm. that, like, is, like, let's say, Soren. If you have Soren and Vainlet Ripper in two lands, right, you're yeah. like, oh, I get an extra look at my land mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Dusk Legion Zealot. Okay, well, that's I can keep this hand where maybe otherwise you wouldn't. Right. Uh, and again... It's like, it's not wrong to be like Dusk Legion Zealot into Soren, have no Vein Ripper, but then plus D- Dusk Legion Zealot and kill their three drop mm-hmm. or kill their two drop or whatever. Or pump it up. Yeah, or like make it a 2 2 with yeah. Lifelink and Death Touch and like get in for a little bit of damage. Like, that's not wrong. Right. Um, And then uh, Blood Tithe Harvester. The, mm-hmm. uh, the like clock plus removal spell, right? So, like, also that's... really relevant with Vane Ripper's ability. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, something to keep in mind is if your opponent does have a removal spell that kills Vane Ripper, mm-hmm. they lose four and you gain four, right? Right, because they have to sack a creature which. Twos them and gains you two. Then Vein Ripper dies, which twos them and gains you gains two. Gains you two. Yep. So, like, you know, there comes times where, like, you can just attack all out, and no matter how they block it, they die. Right. Um, I had a game against Control where uh, I had three Vein Rippers in my hand, and they were at six, and mm-hmm. I just kept playing them, and every time they killed one, 
they took two more. When the third one resolved, it was either going to kill them in combat, yeah, or they were going to die to the trigger. Yep. Right? Like, it's just like, oh, this just is a shock every time they kill it, or almost a lightning axe every time they kill it. Right. Um, and then, like, Blood Tithe Harvester, you're like, sack it, lose two, gain two, kill your thing, lose yep. two, gain two. Right, it's like a four mana, a four, an eight life swing, and then they were playing four thought seizes, mm-hmm. and then most were on one duress. Yeah. Seth Manfield's list list was ever so slightly different. Uh, he won the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, but four thought seize and one duress was pretty standard. Two smugglers copters because you definitely have times where like you have a vein ripper. And no way to cast it, and no Soren, and you're like, I, I can't, I can't keep this, mm-hmm. right? Um, and just lets, lets lets you work through like extra lands because even though you have like six drops in your deck, like you're pretty happy at like four mana, right? Yeah, right. Like if you can't get rid of stuff and you get to five to like activate like Hive of the Eye Tyrants or whatever, fine. But you're usually pretty happy at four mana where you can like Soren plus something. Right. Like thought sees plus Soren. Soren normally, plus... if like, if I've ever, if I'm trying to find the combo, um, I'll just loot away my lands. The only mm-hmm. time I ever like need to get over four lands is like if they've already dealt with a, a Soren or a Vein Drinker, and I'm trying to like hard cast one. Yeah. Um, but normally you're just looting them away after four. Yeah. Um, and then. What kind of pulled them out of mono black into red was the combination of Blood Tithe Harvester and then Fable, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, what is it? Like, Fable's won, like, every, like, the last, like, four or five Pro Tours. Imagine that. Um, I think it's much like when I was playing that Elementals deck and I just put Fable in it because I was like, this is the card that I groan, that I sigh the most when my opponent yeah. resolves. Like, yeah. why am I not playing this? I wonder how much they were just like, why am I not playing what is probably the best card in the format? Like, I'm allowed. <laughs> I should just yeah. play the best card in the format. Just put it in. Yeah. And then uh, they were all, all the lists were on four fatal pushes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, most. That's kind of odd, too, though, because fatal push had kind of fallen out of favor a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're. If you guess right that, like, Is It Phoenix is one of the most popular decks, like, it kills uh, Ledger Shredder. Right. Um, Not that I think anyone guessed that, like, Heroic was going to be, like, a huge, a huge part of the metagame. But, like, finals. Yeah. Uh, But, like, what's it called? If you think Amalia is going to get played a lot, right? Mm -hmm. It kills all the pieces of the combo. It does. If you have an inkling that, like, is it in soul? Like, it, you know, kills, say, half the things they in soul onto. Mm-hmm. So, right, like, it has a lot of, like, if your expected metagame kind of looks kind of like this a did. Certain way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that uh, one thing that makes the, um, one sec. Mm-hmm. Like, having the Rakdos build. With Blood Tithe Harvester giving you blood tokens, mm-hmm. it makes your fatal pushes better. It does, yeah. 
and your Fable of the Mirror Breakers, right? Like, I definitely, like, took, I've taken two from a Shieldred, let my Fable flip, and then killed the yeah. Shieldred. Right. Which, like, in the mono black version, you have a lot less ways to, like, easily turn on a Fatal Push and make it kill the rest of the format. Yeah. And then... The lands are simultaneously... The mana base is simultaneously great and awful, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So, it plays most of the red-black lands that it can. Like, three sulfur Springs, three Black Cleave Cliffs, uh, four Blood Crypts, and two Blight Step Pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like three swamps and two hive of the eye tyrants and a Takanuma. But then it's playing three cavern of souls, which is like a hedge against like black, uh, against like, uh, Orzhov control mm-hmm. and fixes your mana kind of for blood tithe harvester. Yep. Um, unfortunately though, it does not cast a fable of the mirror breaker and it does not cast a Soren. Right. I definitely had like double cavern and souls, and then one of the four mutal vaults, and been like, "Well, crap! I can't, I can't combo because I." Which don't. is silly because Soren is obviously a vampire. Obviously, sadly, not a creature vampire. Yeah. Um. So, like, the mutal vaults also give you extra vampires in your mana base. Mm-hmm. I have definitely. Gone like Soren play a Mutavault, tap the Mutavault to activate itself, and then chuck it at something. To turn on your fatal push to kill their other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, okay, like I'm gonna tap my Mutavault for colorless, use that colorless to activate it, then yep. throw it, kill a thing, then fable uh fatal push or something. Yep. But yeah, like there are many times that Mutavaults are just like one mana removal spells. Mm-hmm. Wastelands, but for creatures. Right. Um, but it does definitely lead to some awkward situations where, like, you're staring at your, like, uncastable fable. And yep. you're just like, for the love of God, why? I have absolutely looter scootered away a fable that was rotting in my hand. And you just like, red mana. But I, I think that's why, like, Smuggler's Copter is, like, so important, is because yeah. your mana is. I don't know, C plus, C minus? Yeah. Right. It's, it's weird because it, it looks like it should be better than it is. Yeah, but there's just like the fact that the caverns don't cast yeah. Fable or Soren, and that the Muta Vaults don't cast Blood Tithe Harvester. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you've definitely had like the Swamp Muta Vault Blood Tithe Harvester hand. And you're yep. just like, I kind of have to keep this for the rest of it and, like, hope I find a red source for this. Yeah. Or, like, or you find the red source for that and it's a Cavern of Souls and then you, like, draw a fable and you're just like, I can't, <laughs> I can't cast this fable now. I was like, well, I guess I can get rid of it with my blood token. Mm-hmm. So, like, it has a lot of what, like, the Rakdos midrange deck has that um, the ability to, like, filter through cards it doesn't need, right? Because yep. if you look at, like, 
you got four blood tokens, four fables, two looter screws. You have like ten ways to get through your through your deck. Right? But unlike Rakdos, where like I feel like the other Rakdos, like the Rakdos midrange, it does a really good job of like killing creatures. Mm-hmm. But it often doesn't do a great job of closing the game. Right. Right? Where like it oftentimes, like if they don't find a shieldred or you deal with a shieldred, you just there's not Not a great backup plan. Yeah, there's not a great backup plan. Like the games where like they stick the shieldred and you don't draw the removal spell, you lose those games. Right. Right. But like a lot of times, like the games that you like kill the shieldred, like they either have like they have their aggro draws. Where they like blood tithe, uh, thought sees blood tithe, um, was graveyard trespasser guy, mm-hmm. right? Or they have the draws where it's like thought sees fatal push, go for the throat, and then like shieldred. shieldred, and like those draws are easy to break up if you can kill the shieldred, yeah, right? And then, uh, but this deck, like, like, uh, uh, Vein Ripper is a significantly harder to kill thing, right? It doesn't Way die to, harder f- to kill. It doesn't die to fatal push, right? It um, doesn't, um, and then like again, they have to sacrifice something, and sometimes they just can't. Like, it, I mean, in a lot of ways, it acts just like Shieldred does because, like with Shieldred, you're pretty much guaranteed to get that first like life swing, mm-hmm. and. In Vein Ripper, you're always guaranteed to get at least. You're, well, you're guaranteed to get two life swings. Yeah, you're you're guaranteed to be up for life, like gain yeah. four uh, at the end of it, uh, yeah. if they, if they somehow answer it. So like you gained four, got a two for one, and like that can be enough to like stabilize you, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're playing against like Rakdos and they like, have like an aggro draw, then you play this, and they're like, um. I guess sack a thing. I'll take four. You gain four. Now you've like turned off the regression because you, uh, like made them lose a creature, lose board position, yeah. and Super you gained wonderful. four life. Mm-hmm. Right? You've like kind of put the brakes on it. Um, so like it is, like you said, it is surprisingly consistent, and like. Unlike um, Rakdos Midrange, when you play against, or at least when I play against the Rakdos Vampires deck, like, I feel pressure that I have not cast a Thoughtseize. Right. Right? I'm like, oh man, are they gonna, like, like, do they have it? Do -hmm. they have it? And then if they have it, you're just like, you can beat it. Like, it's not unbeatable. I've definitely like had two creatures on the board or had like a mutavolt and been like, you know, bitter triumph, sack two things, pay three life to the bitter triumph. Yeah. And then like kill your Soren. Uh, but like you can do it. And like the game continues, but you've like put yourself in a hole. Mm-hmm. But like it does have the ability to go from like zero to your dead much faster than red black. Yes. And I think, like, you know, with, like, Azorius control not being able to answer it well, and, like... Or or at all. And, like, Amalia combo, like, 
I got comboed off yesterday where, like, my opponent, I was like, all right, they have two pieces of the combo. I just thought season Amalia. I'm going to play a, a Priest of the Schism uh, as opposed to casting uh, a Path of Peril. And mm-hmm. uh, they immediately ripped Amalia and comboed me. Um, <laughs> of course. And I was like, I brought this on myself. I could have just killed both both pieces and then moved on. Yeah. But this was my own fault for trying to get pressure on the board. So I was like, oh, I play this. And then they, and then I like sweep the board and they don't, I get to keep my three, two. This is great. And I start beating them. Mm, no, mm, mm, bad. Uh, but like, you know, you have a bunch of interaction for Amalia and like, you can get in a situation where you like gain enough life that like you can hold off an Amalia or give yourself like two turns if you get a Vein I Ripper done down. that as well. We are like, oh, I get two draws at a uh, at a removal spell, or well, like I mean, I have... I've had an Amalia player combo off and die. <laughs> and die? Well, yeah, because when when it destroys all creatures, they uh, they had that, Vein Ripper. They had that many creatures. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were only at like eight or whatever. Okay. Um. What's the other? Uh, 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 what is it? Fable of the Mirror Breaker and one of Kiki Jiki's Reflection? Mm-hmm. Copy of Vein Ripper. Yeah. Then when it dies... That's a good time. You get, they lose four, you gain four. If yep. the 12 power in the air wasn't enough to finish the job... Right. <laughs> the, the, the letting it die and then you do, doing a bunch of damage. Um, the sideboard... Now, I'll be 100% honest with you... I'm just muddling through a lot of times. Like, I don't, like, I'm not going to tell you, like, I have any idea what, like, how to sideboard. Well, I've only played best of one game, so you got a better idea than right. I do. So, there's one Lily, one Kalidus, one Shieldred, mm-hmm. two Path of Perils, which that feels like Amalia or, like, Boros Convoke or, like, Heroic Card. Like, that one yeah. I feel pretty confident in that I know what it's for. Um, two duresses, which come in when Fatal Push is bad. Right. One Bitter Triumph. I typically bring that in in the mirror because, like, you need to be able to kill a quick Vein Ripper to, like, yeah. allow you to continue to play the game. And I also bring it in against Blue White since it kills Planeswalkers. Yeah. Makes um, sense. And then... Something that you don't need on Arena is three Damping Spheres because Lotus Field is not truly a deck because we don't have Hidden Strings. And then um, uh, four Leyline of the Void, which is the Phoenix tech. Mm-hmm. Now, the earlier version that Jim Davis played on on the Cool Stuff video, they were on Unlicensed Hearse. Okay. As, as, the, as the tech. I think uh, I like Leyline better. Yeah, like it allows you to like if you have it in your opening hand, right? Like if you're like I have to get graveyard hate and you're gonna mulligan into some form of graveyard hate. Yeah, a leyline in your opening hand then allows you to like play the rest of your stuff, right. and like the Phoenix decks were playing like one or two main deck Prismari commands, mm-hmm. which gives them a way to blow up your artifact based hate. They have they can like they have to have a fable to uh, not a fable gosh a brazen borrower 
yeah. to to get rid of your ley line of the void. They have like one or two of those usually. Yeah, by the time they do that, though, you can redeploy it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, the three damping spheres for Lotus Field, um, Seth Mainfield and a couple other people, they had three cards specifically for Lotus Field, which were the damping yeah. spheres. But some people had a two two damping sphere, one Cranko's uh, Buzz Crusher split. So it was we, kind we of like... We talked about that during our sit review episode. Yeah. So it's kind of whichever one you like would prefer. Man, Buzz Crusher's got to be hard to hard to cast in in this deck though. Uh, yeah, four, uh, two <laughs> two red red, yeah. in a deck with one two three four six, uh, nine, twelve red sources. Yeah. Which the deck feels like it has way less than twelve red sources a lot of times. Yeah. Well, that's what mm. I mean. Like when you. The mana base doesn't look as bad as it feels. Yeah, it feels awful. Yeah. It's like, how can I... Ma- and then I've seen some people that I don't know what they're cutting, like, but on the ladder, I was seeing people with uh, Sakensins in their mana base. Oh, man. I'm like, you do realize that you have a three black, black, black spell, plus right. you have four Munivolts in your deck. What are you doing just playing a mountain with a, you know, a, like... Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's better than just playing a mountain. Yeah, but it's like a mountain with whatever. What is what is Cranko's command? Yeah, stuck to it. It's like it's like that. Just seems like you're gonna give yourself a lot of times when you just can't cast stuff. No, I don't know if they cut like maybe you could convince me to cut a hive of the eye tyrant for it to get one more red source in the deck. But then like you have a I mean, sketchy if amount. If I'm cutting a hive of an eye tyrant though. I think I'd rather have a den of the bugbear. Fair. But, like, even doing, like, but then, like, you have Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, and Duress that you want to be able to play on turn one. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, I do, like, I bring in Lily in the mirror mm-hmm. as, like, a one-off way to maybe make them sacrifice their... their Vein Ripper. Kalidus is kind of good in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Because... When their stuff dies, it doesn't trigger Vein Ripper. Right. So if they, like, it's bad for you if you have the Vein Ripper, but it's good for you if you don't. And it's just a reasonable mm-hmm. vampire to put in. And I, like I think. Kalidus. Hmm? I like Kalidus. Yeah. He's my boy. <laughs> and then um, I think it's also good, like, against Amalia. Yeah. Where, like, if they blow up the world, they exile all of their stuff if you have a Kalidus out. Right. And, like, or if you just, like, Kalidus and then play some removal, you can, like, make, um, return, army. Uh, return to the ranks bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Shieldred comes in against Lotus Field as well and against, like, Phoenix. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, I definitely am, like, of the, like, I'm, like, I'll trim two of these and two, like, I don't have, like, a, like, strong, like, this is exactly what my plan is. Yeah. Um, but the deck is really, it's, it's like a mid-range deck with a combo in it, much Mm -hmm. like their, the blue-red deck that they played, like Creativity, it's very similar to that, where like... So this deck, I know you didn't play this while it was, uh, popular, but the old red-black deck from like Amonkhet 
Kaladesh days. This gave me very similar vibes to that deck. Okay. Just like how, the, how the so? play pattern. Well, the play patterns and like being disruptive plus aggression and like deploying a threat that had to be answered, but then keeping their keeping their ways to answer it down. Because like a lot a lot of times that deck won with Azeroth. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is just like something that's really hard to deal with. So you'd kind of get their resources down and then Hazaret finish them off. And this deck a lot of times wins the same way where you, um, you know, disrupt their board with your removal and their hand with your thought seizes and stuff. And I mean, obviously it's easy mode if you can just turn three, you know, slam a sore and vein, vein ripper. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bunch of games that I want on like turn five sore and vein ripper after I've kind of. Mm-hmm run them out of resources a little better turn just turn six vein ripper yeah like there are plenty of times where like the like show and tell aspect of soren just doesn't matter right right like you can definitely play it as if it's casting costs were two and a blue Mm -hmm. and uh but there are a lot of times that like you will play the sword and use it for value Mm -hmm. you will um like uh you know, just decide like, okay, and I, I, I don't have the Vein Ripper and the Soren's not good, so I'm going to loot it away. Yep. Right? I guess Fable helps with the whole Vein Ripper plan because like, you know, getting that treasure like mm-hmm. can get you a, like there a turn early and helps you like keep your land count on board low. Um, So what was the, we've talked about like kind of the breakout deck of the tournament. Um, Vein Ripper's uh, price, um, Went through the roof. I think they're like thirty dollars and sold out on Card Kingdom right now. Not surprising. And Soren is thirty two dollars and sold out. Yeah. Uh, I do worry that like a a lot of the like CFB like we broke it decks mm-hmm. are like we broke it for a weekend or we um, broke it for like two weeks. I know so, what you mean. This deck feels it's got a little bit... Like, I think this je- deck, like, in terms of where it sits in the metagame, just kind of, like, takes over for Rakdos, though. I think they're similar enough, and this is just a better version of it. Yeah, I would not play this deck anticipating it maintaining a 60% win rate. No. I think no, that, pe- like... People are going to adjust. Yeah, it's going to pull itself down to, you know, 53, 55. It'll be good, but it won't be, like, the best deck in the format by a mile kind of deal. Yeah. But it might be that, like, that most played deck because it does the red-black thing, but then Mm. also, like, ends the game. Right. As opposed to red-black sometimes just dirtling around and not ending the game. Yep. Um, Yeah, but, like, I, you know, as the format adjusts, like, I wouldn't run out... And spend two hundred and fifty dollars on Sorens and Main Rippers, no. right? Like, because like you know, I don't think the deck's going to be, you know, that sixty percent win rate. You know, I definitely ran into people playing old timey red black that played mm-hmm. um, Invoke Despair, yeah, which just kind of like cleans up your whole board. Yep. Um. And like if like shield if a shieldred's edict starts getting more play, I definitely got caught by shielded shieldred's edict a few times. 
yeah so like where you've got to be like well i've got to like make sure i have like if that card goes up in play like the turn three uh soren play vein ripper you know is less good so yeah. like you could like oh yeah like make sure you clear the way more or whatever so people are going to adjust it's going to go down it's not going to be this like unbe- unbeatable like kind of house that it is now mm-hmm. so what did the top eight look like do you have that just for the peoples um i do excellent uh, top eight we had um sam pardee on rectos vampires mm-hmm. uh alex fridrickson I think that's how you pronounce that on Lotus Field. Adam Edelson on Phoenix. Uh, Jean Emmanuel on Is It Phoenix? Seth Manfield on Vampires. Simon Nielsen on Boros Heroic. Christopher Larson on Amalia Combo. And Min Yang Chen on Lotus Field Combo. So, uh, two Vampires, two Lotus Fields, two, two Is It's. And then Boros and Amalia. And if you look down, like, ninth was Phoenix. Then 10th was Azorius Control. Mm-hmm. Then another Phoenix. Then another Azorius Control. Yeah, but it's Yuda. Oh, yeah, fair. That doesn't count. <laughs> uh, Lotus Field, Creativity, and Soul was 15. Phoenix mm-hmm. was 16. Like, so LSV is 18 with Rakdos mm-hmm. Vampires. But uh, he lost his winning in the top eight. Yeah, you told me you had a story for me. So he um, had, like, just thought sees his opponent. He, like, like knew most of the guys. Uh, he was playing Min Win Jang. Is that his name? Yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, he had, like, knew his hand, and he had two Lotus Fields in play. And he uh, top decked uh, Vizier of Tumbling Sands, cycled it on top, tapped Lotus Field into mm. Vizier of Tumbling Sands. <laughs> so he gave him, he had, he had a, an emergent ultimatum in his hand. Yeah. So he, he like, each of the cycles made one mana. Yeah. Which gave him eight mana to cast emergent ultimatum. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. that's how LSV lost uh, game two of his winning in <laughs> was I think he had like I think he had like runner, Vayne runner, Rip- runner. like Vane Ripper into runner runner yeah like played Vane Ripper like the coast was clear and then flipped both uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like Lotus Field was supposed to be a pretty good matchup but if you look like I wonder if they're going to let Lotus Field stay a deck. I know, like, we shouldn't talk about bands and stuff, but if you just think about what they've done, like, on Arena... Yeah. They've not well, given they've, us... They've, like, hi- purposely not put us on a, put it on Arena. They've, like, not given us Hidden Strength, which is, like, the only card the deck is missing to actually be... Right. ...the Pioneer deck. And there's one... Uh... Two... Three, four, there were five. It was 20% of the top five or top 25. Yeah. And like, they typically like, you know, like, is it Phoenix as like a play style? So like having a bunch right. of those and it being the most played deck. 
Uh, like they're usually okay with that, but there were like six phoenixes. Like that, they're usually like okay. Like we we like we have like historically supported that type of play style, right? But like, you know, I don't know, especially from like a coverage point of view. Like, is it how interesting is it for people? Not that there's a ton of coverage anymore. When right. the like mana the colored mana cards come out and the dice start stacking up on them. Yeah. It's hard to follow for everybody. It's hard to follow. I mean, the fact that they printed Cranko's Buzz Crusher. Yeah. It was in the tournament. And like uh uh Lotus Field did still did so well. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're like, well we printed a card that said kill not target Lotus Field. Well, I wonder how many copies were played, though. This is true. I don't know how many copies were played in the in the uh, in the tournament, yeah. but because uh, I mean, again, Team CFB, not all of them decided to play one in the sideboard. Right. I'm just trying to go through now and see if I see any. So let's see here. How did this? Seth Manfield is on one. I think LSV had one. I could be wrong, though. No, he was on three Damping Spheres. Um, yeah, but I just wonder if, like, they're going to be like, hey, we don't like this. Also, like... Uh, creativity um, played two. Okay. Um, What is it called? Oh, gosh, what is it called? Um, they like Lotus Field also got Archmage's Charm, Archdruid's yeah. Charm. I'm sorry, Archdruid's Charm. Yeah, which is just like go find your Lotus Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you have a Lotus Field, go find a uh, a Thespian Stage. Right. So, like, yeah, I don't know how long they're how how long the deck is for this world if they are. Uh, you know, if they're like, if they're not putting all the pieces on Arena. Right. Because they, like, they unbanned Looter Scooter, and, like, two months later, it's on Arena. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they, they, like, went out of their way to make it happen. Yeah, they're like, uh, we're going to put this on the list only on Arena. Right. Right? But they haven't done that with Hidden Strings. Yeah. And, like, Lotus Field is a deck that gets fringe play on Arena. Right. Which is historically where they've liked to put combo decks. Right. Right? Like, you know, think about, like, how fringy Storm is in Modern. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they could make Storm playable, but they're just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. No. And this is effectively the same thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just... A thing to think about if you were super excited about watching people tap and untap lands and you were like, <laughs> I'm going to go buy all the pieces for this deck. Like, you may just want to, like, you know, unless you, like, 100% knew you're going to play it for, you know, the next, like, handful of FNMs or whatever. Right. Right. But if you're just going to, like, I'm going to, like, work on putting this together over the next six months. Maybe mm. not. Maybe just throw that money in a savings account, and then like <laughs> once you have all of it, check to see if it's still legal, and then 
Yeah. Buy it. So, yeah, I I just worry that like just of how they how they've handled it. Um, for the most part, I think the tournament was like pretty interesting. Like mm-hmm. the Insol decks were were interesting to see that those were like actually good. What is this? Can't be right. Are they doing anything different than they used to do, or? Um, not really. So they ha- they have two Insols now. Okay. So they have, uh, well, this guy only played one. Uh, some of them are on um, in Soul in Zoetic Glyph. Okay. The three mana in Soul that when it dies, you, uh, yeah, whatever it is, uh, discover. Um, but otherwise, they get to play like. As we keep printing creatures that make, um, that make trinket artifacts, it makes Insoul better and better. Yeah. Right. So they play Valdor Epicure, Spyglass Siren, um, and then uh, this guy played Enti, which is really good with an Insoul Darksteel Citadel. Yeah. Uh, they're playing Gleeful Demolition. So this one went wide. This one was kind of like in Soul smushed together with Boros Convoke because mm-hmm. it played Reckless Bushwhacker. Yeah. Uh, and Gleeful Demolition. Uh, so it kind of did like both. It had Dark Steel Citadel. No Ornithopters. No Ornithopters in this one. There were some other ones that I think were more like kind of your in Soul Zoetic Cliff. Uh, yeah. I played against some on Arena that, again, I don't know if they were like Pro tour, pro tour level decks, but they um, were uh, they played Zoetic Glyph and In Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Where what are the most played cards? Wow. No more lies was the most played card in wow. the entire tournament at 181. Hmm. Um, I don't even know what Meticulous Archive is. It is 81. Like, I don't know what that card is. To the point where I'm like, is this a typo? Oh, it's the blue white surveil land. Oh, okay. That's why I don't know what this is. Uh, It's a blue white land that is new. (laughs) Um, So the top two cards were in blue white control. Then it was Archdruid's Charm. Deduce blue white card. Yep. Uh, Lightning Helix, Novice Inspector, mm-hmm. and then Vein Ripper, four four copies in twelve decks. And then wow, one two three four five six seven eight. Cranko's Buzz Crusher was the eighth most played card in the tournament. Well, there were only three copies in the top twenty five. There were 42 copies in the tournament. Wow. There were 11 in main decks and 31 in sideboards. Hmm. So, like... Main decks. Wow. One in... I don't know. One in five decks played a Buzz Crusher or something. Like, on average. But, like, Mm -hmm. it was the eighth most played deck. And the deck that it was supposed to hold down... Still was twenty percent of the top twenty-five. Yeah. Um, 
Fugitive Codebreaker? There's so many of these cards, I'm like, I have no idea what this is. No, we were excited about Fugitive Codebreaker in uh, our set review. That's the the new Bedlam Reveler. Oh, okay, 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 yes. That guy's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, these yeah, are the most played cards from Murders at Karlov Manor. I apologize. Oh, uh, okay. These are only Murders at Karlov Manor card. Okay, because, like, still, like, that's a decent number to be played. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I misrepresented that because I, I misread that. Yeah, I was um, gonna say I don't I don't know that those numbers are out. I didn't see those anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. Like they should be easy to get to, but but they are they are not. Um. Um. Wow. Of there were twenty three players that played field, and five of them made the top twenty five. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. That's real good. So, I don't know. I think that um, uh, it, it it was an interesting event, if not, like, under underhyped, if you will. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, a good deck came out of it. I yeah, think sweet. we'll be able to tinker around with it and see if it can be improved. Or, mm-hmm. like, kind of stand up to how the metagame... To so the format evolving. Yeah. Because, like, you could definitely see, like, more Lilianas in the format. Mm-hmm. Oh, for uh, sure. I mean, Lily's a great answer to that deck. Yeah, right. They're, they're like, turn three, Sword and Blood Ripper. You're, like, Lily minus. Right. Then, like, they may not... Now, granted, Sword lets them throw a vampire at your Lily. And probably kill it, but if like, they have another vampire, if they have another vampire, yeah. But like, if like, you can get it to stick, though, it basically keeps them from ever building again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it 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 works out well for you. But yeah, yeah, like Lily, you could like, like maybe like red black to kind of like combat this has to like play more lilies, get lower to the ground. Yeah. Um. Like maybe like. You could tell me right now that, like, hey, I'm going to turn the Bitter Triumph in the main deck into a Shieldred's Edict, mm-hmm. right? Like, just, like, that swap probably does a huge amount to, like, swing the matchup in your favor. Yeah. So there are ways to deal with it. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think that will be the uh, deck I am, like, going to play most going forward yeah. at least for a bit well like i said i didn't have a ton of free time over the weekend but the the free time that i did have i spent playing that deck and that's something i haven't done in quite a while yeah all right so with all that i think we got a show we got a show all right so um if you want to reach out to us on uh the internet facebook discord artist formerly known as twitter email all those links are in the description below yeah, hit us up. Let us know if you got any questions or episode ideas, anything along those lines. If you're looking to support the show, um, you can do that one of two ways. The first is with our TCG Player Affiliate link, casualtryhard.com slash TCG. It doesn't cost you guys anything extra. You're going to be shopping for Magic products anyway. We would appreciate if you used that link and helped us out. 
The second is our Patreon, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Go there and support us directly by chipping in a dollar amount you feel comfortable with. Uh, in return, you'll get access to our pre-show and our show notes. And when I finally get these givebacks done, you'll have access to those too. Or if you don't care about any of that and you just want to help support the show, we would appreciate that as well. Patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Yeah. All right. So with that, we'll catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. <laughs>